And our Friday panel with us in studio uh, this morning, our guest this week, Martina Harkin-Kelly of Donegal and Sligo, former president of the um, INMO, and Peter Tiernan of Leitrim and Sligo, former head of FOSS in the region. Good morning to you both. Uh, and, and thanks for joining us. And we were just talking about all the events that are taking place over the weekend, sporting and otherwise. Uh, but Martina, you'll be tuned in, I don't know, to RTE or ITV or BBC or Sky for the big event tomorrow. Oh, well, I'll be watching it from the perspective of the fashion, I'd say. <laughs> That's if I'm allowed to watch it. This um, is the coronation we're talking about. King I, Charles. I, I, I won't watch the full, don't get me wrong, I won't watch the full pageant and kind of nobility part of it and, you know, all the various sections to the ceremony. But I'll definitely watch them on the balcony. I'll want to see them on the balcony to see who's who, who's not there, who is there and what they're all wearing. So that'll be very important, yeah. Will it? Setting it all aside, that's British culture, no more than we have our own uh, culture as well. And it's it's over a thousand years old. Like, it's there since 1066 when they would have had their first king. So, you know... And, and inaugurated them in, in, in that way. So it's important for them that it's pomp and ceremony. But I, do, I believe there's not going to be as much money spent on it as what there was spent on the 1953 uh, coronation of Queen Elizabeth II. So we'll wait and see. But it'll be wall-to-wall, I'd say, coverage on BBC tomorrow. Oh, it will. Mm. But, but I, I'm surprised that, that uh, you have an interest in it. I mean, is it, is it up there with royal weddings or or not? Or... It possibly. I, mean, I, I, I was listening to a report. Was it on News Talk this morning? And apparently, there are party or street parties in parts of Dublin, royal parties. Well, to, I think to, that's to, to mark the festivity. The maybe really that people. Maybe maybe people don't really mm. understand the kind of historical background because you've got to remember we've lived now in an era of you know twenty five years of of peace, relative peace in this country and there will be a lot of a generation you know of younger people that maybe don't understand you know our relationship in the past with the UK and and the sovereign of of the UK because I, I would have had a huge understanding because of where I lived in East Donegal, like we were literally 16 miles away from Derry um, mm. the night that Bobby Sands died we could actually hear the bins being banged on the streets um, of Derry, so it's quite close to us as children going in and out over the border because my mother would have shopped quite regularly in Strabane and in Derry so you would have been very familiar with the British Army checkpoints you would have been made aware that the head of the British Army was the Sovereign and, and, you know, and that's how we referred to them. They were the sovereign of, mm. of you know, the realm. And that's the language that we heard out around because I live in a very predominantly Ulster-planted area. We would have been the only Catholic family within about a two-mile radius, which is huge. Um, mm. But And I think that that has an influence because we would have heard the Lambeg drums you know, being practiced before the 12th of July. All of our neighbours were members of the Orange Order. They all went to Rosnaula. Um, the, the laugh used to be that some of them would say to me, oh, you could go, and I'd be saying, yeah, but you wouldn't be recognised because we called you. You know, there are certain names. I hear names and I know immediately, 
you know, whether they're Catholic or Protestant names, because we even look at the way they're spelt. Yeah. You know, the difference between brown, the two ways of spelling brown, yeah. white and white. We would know, you know, yeah. whether that's a Catholic or a Protestant family. Well, that's interesting. But but you, you, you got on well oh, with, with your neighbours. As my mother used to say, there were better Christians than the Catholics. <laughs> Yeah, and there's another aspect to that which we, we were talking about on air which we might come come back to later. What about you, Peter? Are you putting the feet up? I don't know, is it tomorrow morning or tomorrow afternoon? I'm completely well, it, it kicks off I, very I, I think early it's 11 o'clock yeah. or something. Is it? 11 o'clock yeah. is kind of the real yeah, kind of D, part D of thing, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be in the room, yeah. My, my wife is a, a great uh, a follower of history and uh, especially English history and French and all that. So she knows all the King Edwards and all of that, Edwards II and the Third and the Fourth, that I wouldn't know at all. So she has an interest in, 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 the, in the glamour and and all of that, and the history, and all of that. So I, 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 I enjoy the. the I, I watch the ceremony itself. I watch the parade, or probably the dignitary to see who they are, and people from all over the world. So I don't have any problem watching it really, because I mean, uh, it's yeah. it's friendship we need now with uh, with as many people as possible. I mean, there's enough of uh, uh, of, of uh, things going on in the rest of the world, and and we should we should if if every country was more friendly with each other, there's so many countries and they're killing each other around the world. So why should we be at loggerheads with our neighbour across the way? Uh, I mean, I was over in England at at the weekend, and every everywhere the Places festooned with with Union Jacks, you know, but that's 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 their place. So why not, you know? And you know, yeah, they're looking forward to it. So uh, I I I love I'll, I'll have a look at it, you know. And I mean, I wouldn't associate uh, Geraldine as much with the. Uh, with the the sovereign as yeah. as you would you know because like to us she's not a sovereign you know so uh, yeah. or or he is not a sovereign yeah. now you you sort of forget that the queen is gone at all yeah. almost but uh, so you know it's just another friendly country really and yeah. I think that's the way we should treat it and um, the, the the controversy over Michelle O'Neill first minister designate uh, attending do you, do you think she should attend because she's going to. I do. I think she should because uh, I mean, what we're in the position, what we're in the position now of building bridges, and yeah. building bridges with anybody that's that that we can and be friendly with them and do business with them and all of that. So uh, I mean, she's uh, she's head of the largest party in Northern Ireland. I mean, uh, democracy itself would suggest that she should be gone. Uh, she's uh, she she. Uh, she would be first minister if, if only for she can't with the DUP. But uh, so I think in that capacity she should be there, and uh, it doesn't mean that she won't have a rouse with 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 the the prime minister yeah. in England and and all of that when when they do get the assembly back up and running. Well, yeah. I think in that capacity she, she should be gone. Yeah. Okay. What well, What about you, Martin? Yeah, I do feel that. Um, Whilst they're not, you know, recognising, as I said earlier, the sovereignty of, you know, the throne over Northern Ireland, they're definitely reaching the hand across the water. And I think it started much earlier than the coronation because it really started in 2011 when the Queen visited Ireland. Yeah. And if my memory serves me correct, the, the first person that actually shook hands with her from Sinn Féin was the Lord Mayor of Cashel. And that was Michael Brown. 
and he he risked the wrath of of the Sinn Féin, you know, organisation at the time. But they recognised Jerry Adams and Martin McGinnis recognised, you know, that they were out of step with, you know, wh- how we'd moved on within the nation. And don't yeah. get me wrong, IRA and the provisional end of IRA, it was always the long war. I think they're now moved into the long political game to still, uh, you know, create that sense of a united Ireland because they, they don't really so much talk anymore about Northern Ireland. You hear them very much in the in the different language of this island, this mm. island. So the, the language is, is very much a kind of inclusive of of everybody on the island of Ireland, and I, I, I they still have the penultimate goal of the referendum on uh, you know the United Ireland, and I'd say they want to see that within the next uh, ten years. Right. Okay. Uh, Jerry makes a good point. Jerry says, "Nile, it'll be like England playing in the World Cup. All the Irish saying they have no interest and won't be watching. Then join the match, you'd barely see a person in the town." And I suspect that might be the case uh, tomorrow. Right, okay. Um, what do we go to next? Yeah, well, the the the, the reduction in price of, of milk and butter. I think there's four now of our major supermarkets who have slashed butter prices because of drops in milk prices. Um, Lidl, Tesco, Aldi and Supervalue, as, as I understand it. Um, Peter, your thoughts on that and the... Uh, wider implications of that? Well, uh, it's about time they brought it down, uh, in my view, Nile. Uh, groceries have gone up 16.6% in the yeah. first quarter of this year. I mean, that's, that is not caused by the shortage of electricity that we're promised, which didn't happen. We were we had to all buy buy lamps and heaters and all sorts of things, which I I stocked up but never used. Uh, the the price of electricity should be lower. The the uh, Electric Ireland uh, have made a record profit in last year. Uh, the the price of petrol, diesel, all of that that was supposed to contribute to the price of transporting goods to supermarkets and that, they have all come down. But the prices, uh, that that is not reflected in the price the person, shopper, the shopper pays in the shops. Yeah. So there was an element of price gouging. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Because how would you go up by 16.6% for for every for over across the board uh, for what happened in 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 the past because prices did not go up for the commodities the, the input commodities the input side if you like so the output side shouldn't have gone up so it's about time they would uh, bring down the price the only thing that that uh, uh, would concern me is and I was looking at a full page ad in yesterday's paper from one of the big supermarkets and they were boasting about the fact that they're bringing down the price of butter and milk. Yeah. Now, if they, if they're, that's fine. If they're bringing down the prices, fine. If they're taking the hit, so to speak, yeah. if they're passing that on to the first producer, the farmer, yeah. and, and, and that, not paying him or her yeah. for their butter and milk, that is not them taking down the price. It's them passing on the yeah. reduction to and, somebody and, else. And there is a there is a worry and concern within the agricultural community that that will be the case. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. But is, is this a case of, of, of people saying enough is enough, we're not prepared to pay these prices anymore and 
them bowing to pressure, do you that's think? A, that's a very good point, Niall, and I think that there was a, a, a definite reluctance for people to buy as much as they did. And I mean, yeah. that 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 uh, that puts the supermarkets on on other suppliers of goods, uh, puts puts them uh, makes them a bit worried because there is a, if the resistance and people can't afford it, then less is going to be bought. So therefore, there's less profits for them. So it might be a case of of reluctance on the part of customers to spend as much as they did before. Uh, Martina? Yeah, uh, I, I, every consumer in the country across the board will welcome the reduction in prices because yeah. it means that, you know, you have more, whether it's cents or whether it's euro in your pocket. As Peter said, I'd look at the long-term consequences of this. Is it from the major chain's own margins of profits or is it coming from the supplier or the producer um, of the milk? Because um, whilst it, it's welcome, um, they also have to eke a living. And, uh, you know, major chain stores like Aldi and Little made huge profits um, during COVID. Yeah. Um, there was or seemed to be, or they made us believe through, uh, you know, advertising and media coverage that the correlation between the increases in prices was due to a number of knock-on effects within the economy. So, And the biggest culprit of the whole lot, which is still raining heavily in the east of Europe, was, was the war uh, between Russia and the Ukraine. So, yeah. we've, you know, I, I can never understand why they, they've just, I can't understand why they've just done it with milk and butter. That's That to me is is a kind of it's it doesn't sit easy why those two commodities there are loads of other commodities out there bread which is another consumable milk yeah. and butter is used in to create to make bread so you know uh, why just this element from within you know the basket of goods that the consumer purchases um we're in an economy at the minute where there's high rates of inflation. I'd be very worried. They're always going to use, you know, they'll not have done this without doing consumer preferences surveys. They'll not have done it without looking at economics and the laws of demand and supply. They will have looked at everything across the board before they've. And I can bet you that they have a major margin on milk and butter to begin with. You know, it just hasn't gone up. Before the Ukraine war, the, the the price of the pound of butter or the four five uh, four four five four k a gram uh, unit that I, I would have bought yeah. was two thirty nine. Yeah, you know I'm now paying anything from three forty nine. 359, yeah, 369 rice, yeah. for that same unit yeah. of butter, depending on where I go to buy it. Yeah. That's not all. Don't tell me that is all, you know, the war in Ukraine, that it's COVID, that it's Brexit, that it's this, that it's that. It can't possibly be. It, it, it just can't. And I think there is an element of, we, we, we looked at the hotels and we, we, you know, we pointed the finger at them for price gouging. <laughs> I think yeah. there's a certain element of price, price gouging within our supermarket chains as well to, yeah. in order to match Profits. Yeah, and this person wondering that uh, with the reduction in butter prices too, can we safely assume that the price of products such as buns and cakes right. will come down in our delis as well in our various shops? I don't know if that'll be the case, right? Oh seven one nine eleven eight one zero four, our number to call if you want to uh, ask any questions of our panel, or you can text or WhatsApp to oh eight three three five hundred five thirty. And I haven't time to read out a long, long message from one listener in relation to. 
the Green Party and Eamon Ryan and what Eamon Ryan didn't say. I, you may have heard his interview this morning, you may have not, but in general, Peter, do you buy into what Eamon Ryan is trying to do and Green Party politics in this country? Uh, well, I buy into some of it and I don't buy into more of it, if, if, I, could, yeah. if I can say that. I, w- I was listening to his interview at yourself this morning at nine o'clock, uh, which was very interesting and uh, he, he covered a lot of points and he, he said that um, he... Well, I think you referred to the fact that he got a good bit of uh, flack uh, at the meeting last night. Uh, he he said it was it was uh, not personal but uh, political. So at least, you know, he had the sense to know that he's a politician, and he 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 sort of welcomed the fact that people could say whatever they wanted to say, and it it was it was good that he wasn't turned off by that, and you know he took it on board. Um, he, uh, I mean, some some of the things he's trying to do are a bit are a bit over the top. I mean, it's particularly with the farming community, and I come from a farming background and uh, reducing the number of cattle and that. I mean, it it it, it, it seems to be uh, one of the biggest uh, the the emissions of 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 uh, gorgitating cattle seems to be uh, a big thing and reducing the herd for. Uh, every every herd, uh, the number yeah. of cattle in the country is uh, is is going to be a big problem for for farmers uh, and for the whole country because farming is our biggest industry in Ireland. And uh, well, he was at pain. We asked him last night. He was at pains to point out, and there is a perception maybe that him and Ryan and the Green Party are anti-rural, anti-farmer, anti-rural community. But he was at pains to point out that's not the case. Quite the opposite, actually. I don't. Uh, 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 Not cutting across you, Peter, but I don't think they understand rural society um, in Ireland. I don't think they understand the rural way of life. I don't think they have a grasp on the indigenous uh, kind of inbuilt, inert uh, kind of um, need that there is amongst uh, rural dwellers. You know, to hold on to what we have uh, as our own. Um, Like Peter, I do see the merit in lots of the policies that he's talking about. Yeah. I can't buy in to others. It's almost like as if the Green Party have allowed the horse to bolt out of the stable, but, you know, the stable wasn't there ever to begin with. You can put green measures in place, providing that you have everything and the resources and all out round to support those green measures. And... That would include, I've been dithering and dothering over whether to, to purchase an electric car or not. Yeah. And what I hear in the house is, oh no, for God's sake, because you'll be ringing us from Dublin saying, I can't yeah. find a so charging you're, point. You're, you're thinking about it because it's um, ecologically it's the best thing to do, is well, that it? Well, ecologically, I, but but then my head is saying, I'm... I'm I'm projecting forward because that's the sort of individual I am. Anybody yeah. that knows me will say I'm, I'm always looking down the road. What's going to happen to all of those car batteries when they have passed their sell-by date? Mm. How are they going to be disposed of? Um, how are we going to ascertain all of the minerals? And he mentioned the world minerals. I know it's a talk about gold mining and yeah. litrium, but he mentioned and the cobalts, the lithiums, the magnesium, you know, all of those minerals are required 
an order to your ordinary little lithium battery that's yeah. in a tea light. You know, it has to have come from somewhere. There, cobalt is one of the most expensive minerals out there. They're mined in underdeveloped countries. Yeah. The methods of mining are very much And all that will come into your, your weighing up of whether you should get an electric yeah, vehicle. Yeah, I'd be or... thinking about, you know, what has been the consequences of, you know, the individual that helped with you know, producing this battery. Where's this battery going to go when my car is obsolete? Um, more to the point when I'm on the way down from Dublin or I'm on the way from Galway or I'm on the way from when I'm I'm down home in Donegal, where do I charge my car on the way up? Because there's three different ch- types of charging points. Yeah. There's the, you know, where do I pull in to get it? Am I going to get home? Yeah. And, and more of course, to the they're, point, they're the not cost cheap. Yeah, they're not of, cheap at the all. The cost of the electric car yeah. is, I think, the greatest deterrent from purchasing. Okay. Uh, they need to come up with more incentives okay, so in order for people to buy them. Ideally, ideally you'd, you'd like to, to go electric, but Yeah, but I think the first step I take is probably hybrid. Yeah. <laughs> and then I go down the road of electric. Oh, I know the lads will be listening to me saying, oh, God, she's at it. <laughs> Uh, Peter, what, what about yourself? Are, are you an electric vehicle man or are you thinking that way or uh, do you think we should be thinking that way? Uh, well, uh, I, I suppose, you know, I, I, I'm at, at my age, Niall, I'm not making long-term plans at the moment, but uh, I, 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 I don't think I would be buying an electric car. Yeah. Uh, I have a a, a a petrol car, which is quite economical and... Uh, um, as far as electric cars are concerned, uh, they're they're uh, it, they're not as clean as the image that they're pr- pr- uh, pr- promoted as. You, you know, you don't think so? No, they're absolutely not. In 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 a number of ways, uh, uh, um, Martina yeah, yeah. Uh, mentioned there about the uh, lithium and the cobalt. I mean, that's mined in in South America and in oh, well, it's several countries in the world. It's not mined in Ireland. Uh, you, you get lithium in your mobile phone battery and your uh, uh, computer, your laptop and things like that. But um, it's, I mean, electric cars I mean, they're huge batteries they're massive batteries uh, either in in uh, along the sides or under the back seats. They have to be produced and it's mostly surface mining. Lithium is found on the surface and they don't leave a good footprint after them. You know, uh, if if you take coal or or gold as we were talking about last night, if you take that out of the ground at least you can fill the ground back in again. But with surface mining and we had in Tara mines years ago, it's not regarded as 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 clean as taking it out of the ground and, and filling the pack. So uh, lithium then, when it goes to recycling, lithium is very challenging to recycle and it's not at all clear uh, how it's recycled and it can explode when it's been recycled as well. So it's a, it's a difficult mineral to deal with and cobalt is even worse. But there's yeah. more lithium, I believe, than, than co- cobalt. Uh, the other thing about it is that uh, cars are charged from electricity. Our electricity is not green at the moment. So uh, there's nothing green, really, about an electric car. Not Nothing totally green about it, yeah. except that it doesn't have a, a, an engine uh, with emission from the exhaust. But apart from that, there's nothing that much green about it. And there's no... 
uh, reason why they should be so expensive either mm-hmm. because I mean my son-in-law has an electric car and uh, I asked him to, to pull the bonnet as you do and he says well there's nothing in there you know <laughs> so I, he, but he pulled it anyway and it's just covered with plastic uh, as, as new engines are now you can't see them but there's nothing on the bottom of them mm. under that and so a lot of a lot of electric cars now are using the, the bonnet space as luggage space, you know, because there's nothing there. So it's 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 cheaper probably to produce mm. the batteries and the motor. The, the yeah. electric motors are 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 not expensive to produce. Electric okay. motors, even though they're very strong and very powerful, but the, they're certainly it's certainly as expensive to produce yeah. a diesel or a uh, a petrol engine I have to say I'm, I'm, I'm completely well. taken aback yeah. about how deeply both of you have talked about we were about, told as uh, well about the diesel cars you know that there was a reduction in, in emissions if we bought a diesel car we were more or less sold a pup um, but you know I have always that I'm always the conspiracy theorist like how how truthful no more than what Peter has has just said now. How safe are they? Like our grid at the moment can't take the demand that's required. You know, sitting offshore is loads of wave energy. Sitting mm. offshore is we sit on the Atlantic uh, coastline. Waves, uh, wind. We're not harnessing what we should be harnessing. I think. Yeah. You know, we'd be better placed in a society that that doesn't really have that much natural resource to harness the resource that's coming yeah. in. You're from, beginning you to know. sound like Eamon Ryan now, Martina. So <laughs> oh, God. Talk about that. No, I won't say. He's a lovely man. <laughs> Right, so. <laughs> right. Well, we we come to another lovely man uh, or, or another minister in, in a moment. But just on a lighter note, uh, just to pepper the, the conversation, the Late Late Show, could you care less what happens to the Late Late Show or who is going to be the new presenter? Because the papers, the tabloids in particular, are full of stories today about Claire Byrne ruling herself out of the Late Late Show gig. And I, I, I'm... I'm Hugely cynical in relation to people ruling themselves out of jobs. I have to say, I, I hugely cynical well. because I, uh, I, I, Peter, I, I think there's, I think these people are told, mm. be it directly or under or indirectly, that they're not going to get the gig, and then all of a sudden they spin it to say, oh, I'm not interested, and I've got X, Y, and Z going on. Yeah. maybe and that's a very, a, there was a maybe very cynical attitude, but mm. not that long ago with the director general of of RTE. Yeah. Um, you know, where the head of On Post had gone for, yeah. I believe, the job D- D- and David it Mac was leaked, yeah. uh, out into the paper. So, yeah. yeah, I would be a bit cynical about, you know, announcements like that. I couldn't comprehend why she was in the running to begin with, because she dropped out of Clareburn Live on a Monday night because of family reasons. Um, she has her Monday to Friday um, morning um, show on RTE One and I just, it just ran against the grain. If you were dropping out of a Monday night show for family reasons, why would you be taking a Friday night show yeah. that's going to run into Saturday? Yeah. Uh, it's going to surely have impacts for fam- family reasons. Saying that, if she was a man, we wouldn't have even entered the word family into it because it would have been an expectation that possibly... Well, yeah, that's, that's a very relevant he, and interesting you know, point, yeah. He would have had no difficulty running for it at all and nobody would have ever thought about yeah. his family or the implications so, so um, you, on the So could family. you care less who presents it or...? I do to a certain extent. It's one of the longest running, if not the longest running chat show um, in the world. Uh, Gay Byrne, I, uh, you know, set it up as a flagship. Those presenters, albeit that they were good in their own right, that followed in the yeah. 
yeah. footsteps afterwards found it very difficult to slot into that niche that he created, uh, regardless of how good they were. Pat Kenny, Ryan Tuberty, and now whoever uh, the successor will be to the programme. I think it has lost a bit of its oomph. Yeah. I think it's, uh, you know, whilst it tries its best to, you know, garner, uh, you know, a good viewership. Um, yeah. It probably will get a viewership now on Friday night because of the fact that Ed Sheeran is going to be on. Was so there are certain, there are no longer the A-listers from Hollywood. Yeah, that and that's program. the way it's gone. I mean, we look at some late, late you know, shows from the 60s and yeah. the lineup per show is just... Peter Houstonoff, uh, well, Maureen O'Hara, you would have had Matt A-grade, Busby, Eamon yeah, Andrews, and, David Nevin, yeah, you know, all, all of them. One show, yeah. They were all the big yeah. A-listers, very similar to what Graham Norton would have yeah. in, in the UK at the moment. All he changed. has all the A-listers. Yeah. We do not have them yeah, well, uh, money, coming to that money show talks. anymore. Yeah, money talks. Peter, Correct. are you a Late Late Show fan and do you think uh, it's a programme we should be retained in its current format or uh, not? Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. I I would be a late late show fan going back to Gay Burns' time. I mean, he he was he was he was a special presenter, really. I mean, he was very talented, very 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 uh, professional, and uh, a lot of his work was as a result of putting in preparation. I think he said one time, "It's preparation, preparation, preparation," and he he worked he worked his day job. Uh, you were talking about Claire Byrne. He worked his day job, and he he lived out in Holt, which is quite away from the studios in or in Montrose. Mm. He drove in and out every day. He he almost boasted of his robust good health. So he obviously was well able to for for that. But uh, so he was he was the best presenter we ever had, and I. I don't think we, in my view, we didn't have as good a presenter since or uh, somebody who was able to attract the same level of guest as, as you just mentioned, Martina. Uh, as far as Claire Byrne is concerned, I mean, uh, I mean, the media put her in there. She she didn't ever say she was going for it. I mean, the paddy powers of this world, they had her bets on her and you could bet on her. And yeah. left, the left, I was just coming to, to that because you always have to keep an eye on the bookies because there is very, very seldom too far wide of the mark. No, very but seldom. they were wide of the mark this time. Because yeah, I wonder where they. I wonder where they. And, and a, a lot of money came in uh, last week for Patrick Keelty. A lot of money. Is that right, yeah. Yeah, I did. I, I wasn't was aware of that, yeah. but they certainly had uh, uh, the word uh, Claire Byrne was a front runner for a long time. But as as you said, Martina, quite rightly, uh, she did give up her Monday night show, yeah. and if if she, she if she did that, she could she do, couldn't do her di- weekly show and and the late late show as well. And so I I had my doubts all the time, but nobody asked Claire Byrne. I don't think you know it was it was just out there and circulated with other yeah. names. So I it's. It's very difficult to uh, come up with uh, uh, a presenter now of of the quality that's needed. You know, that would be the problem. There's an element of RTE trying to create the importance of the programme in having so much conversation and discussion around it. Yeah. Like, would we necessarily be talking about the presenter of any other show if if they were leaving, yeah. you know, presenting it. Yeah, and uh, three hours of live television is a hell of it's achievement. It's a hell of a gig. It, it, yeah, so, you know, they're, they're, as they would say, bigging it up 
um, yeah. to create the importance because ratings has gone down. It is competing. In my time as a child, it was it was not on a Friday night. It was on on a Saturday yeah. night, um, the Late Late Show. And it was your forerunner to kind of got great, but you were kind of bemoaning the fact that maybe you were getting up for eight o'clock mass in the morning. And it was definitely on until about a quarter to 12, half 11, a quarter yeah. to 12 at night, you know. And it, it was... It was almost like, you know, part of the religion and the culture and the fabric of society. TVs weren't as plentiful as what they are now. And people watched it. You know, the Muhammad Ali's, the Joe Bugner's, the Henry Cooper's, all of the great boxers were on. It was the show to watch. And if you missed it, Lord Sevis, and there was no playback of it. But if you missed it, it was almost like you were out of the conversation for the following week. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, Right. Well, speaking of 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 gentlemen uh, in powers of position. when is the, your your annual conference, the INMO annual conference? Is it uh, next week? No, you? no, it's currently on at the moment it's on in at Killarney. The moment. Okay. It started on Wednesday. Uh, registration was at around um, half twelve and business started at around half past two. There okay. were 53 motions for debate under five kind of um, areas. And it concludes uh, today. Uh, the Minister for Health is coming at around, well, whether he arrives or not will be another thing. Yeah. But he's coming well, he, at He'll ha- get a, he'll half get a rousing 10. reception, will he not, Marty? Oh, I don't know whether he will or not, but he'd probably get a clap. But anyway, <laughs> I just think, you know, they make, no more than they made the announcements in advance of the Garda representative organisations and their, you know, conferences last year or uh, last week and the yeah. many other conferences that there were. Most of the ministers come out and they make an announcement to kind of appease the delegates. You know, we're going to be doing this in the next kind of yeah. plan or whatever. Now, um, Bernard Gloucester spoke yesterday to the delegates, that's the new Director General of the HSE and uh, Bernard spoke about he got up and he was very much a kind of, you know I hear you, it's not all rosy in the garden uh, you know, we're trying our best they're developing a three year plan um, at yeah. the moment, they recognise the difficulties faced in, you know, our ED departments but I always say Our ED departments are the way they are because of the lack of supports in the community. CHO Area 1, which covers all of your public health nursing, public health medicine, all of the supports out there, your primary care centres, they are like hen's teeth. And whilst we're getting them, we're getting them slowly. But they need to be running like well-oiled engines in order to cater for we will have 1.7 million elderly people over the age of 65 in this country by 2030. That's a huge percentage of mm-hmm. the population and they need to be out there. We need a lot more HSE-ran older person services. We need a lot more services within intellectual disability in order to support respite care. There are yeah. huge gaps within provision. Okay. And those individuals, when they are sick, yeah. end up, it's all very well and fine talking about a social model of care and intellectual disability. But if they end up becoming medically unwell, they have to access an ED department. Where they are should be a one-stop shop for their care. Okay, and speaking of annual conferences, the Association, I was reading this there just in, in the past hour, the Association of Higher Civil and Public Service Servants uh, will hear calls today for staff and government departments to be moved to a four-day working week. Uh, they're meeting in Dublin for their annual delegate conference. How about that, Peter, a four-day working week? Is that the way forward, do you think? Uh... I don't think so. Do you not? Uh, 
I mean, if, if they have uh, if they have enough work to do, and most of them have, some of them don't. Uh, uh, I don't see how uh, the, uh, the 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 taxpayer can uh, pay. Uh, top level and bottom level civil servants uh, to work for four days a week. Uh, at their expense, I was a public servant myself. Uh, I had no trouble with the five-day week. And uh, maybe, maybe uh, this uh, work-from-home thing could be used uh, as a, another way around that. But, yeah. uh, no, I don't think... I don't think... I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be in favour of that proposal. I think uh, it, it, uh, what's most important about the civil service, not the amount of... Uh, People we have in the civil servants, in the civil in the public service, but the the amount of people who actually work in the civil service, which is a, a different figure altogether. Yeah. Because there is a lot of uh, there's a lot of, uh, uh, of of fat could be trimmed off the public service, in my view, and uh, there are a lot of people uh, whose jobs are very uh, unclearly defined and who have perhaps. Uh, reporting to somebody in Dublin or something like that and they're, you know, they're almost their own boss. There's a lot of cleaning up to be done in the public service to make sure that everybody in the public service carries their full weight work-wise. Okay, a couple of comments on on The Late Late Show. There was more audience participation with The Late Late Show years ago, says this person. Uh, They remember when The Late Late Show was on a Saturday night, you'd have panellists like Eurek O'Connor, Ted Bonner, Henry Kelly and Mary (laughs) Kenny coming to mind and some of the panel would actually be smoking yeah. and Helen agrees saying the problem with television programmes like The Late Late is that in Gay Burns time there was audience participation not so much nowadays RT has removed our voice and that makes for bad viewing and someone else tells us that uh, it was Martina who mentioned that Ed Sheeran was on the programme um, tonight tonight, yes, tonight yeah. is Friday yeah. And they're saying Ed Sheeran is not on live tonight. It's a recorded interview oh, from probably. last month yeah. which sums up the demise of The Late Late Show is this person and someone else says the Late Late Show has long outlived its natural lifespan it's absolutely uh, boring viewing uh, today Um, we were talking about uh, the various sporting events which are happening across the region uh, over the weekend uh, some very very important fixtures in GAA and soccer in particular but I wanted to follow up on you were making a very interesting point I thought Martina saying that your sport is rugby is that right? rugby yeah don't look so surprised. Well, I was surprised because, as you said earlier, you come from a family in East, yeah, Don- a, East rural, Donegal, a, a rural uh, area. Quite near Convoy. Uh, in and Donegal, your your Convoy mother was, was a huge M- rugby fan. would have been a huge supporter of, of rugby. She never missed, um, you know, the rugby matches. When uh, perhaps rugby was not oh, near as popular not. as it is now. Uh, no one, like, if we went to school and spoke about rugby players, they'd have been looking at us like as if we had 50 heads. You know, but we would have known all the great players. The Wally John McBrides, the you know, um, Hugo O'Neill's, um, the Slatteries, um, all of them come to mind. The great yeah. players in, in Wales, in, in England and in Scotland and uh, indeed France as well. We would have watched the matches religiously. Now, sometimes the air was quite blue in the house yeah. because my mother occasionally departed from the living area. She but would m- pray more, more with so, the rest of us. More so than Donegal GA, <laughs> oh, for example. Absolutely, more so than Donegal GA, more so than Hurley, more so than most of our own indigenous sports, which was 
I think, unusual. I, 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 but, but, but reflective of exactly where you lived, would it, that be fair to say? Absolutely reflective yeah. of a kind of where we lived, yeah. um, you know, and... Uh, kind of the, the attachments because there was always that area along that corridor in East Donegal we call it the Lagan Valley in, in East Donegal that was always under debate as to whether it would have become part of the six counties or whether it, it, it went to Donegal it eventually became part of Donegal and came under the realm of the 26 counties yeah. but it's 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 a very like I drive through areas of you know Connemara and Galway and Sligo and and I look out sometimes and I think oh God they're farming on that land how could you farm on that land you just look at it and you think it's not really suitable for farming but yeah. you know it was a very fertile belt beef cattle. Uh, potatoes, uh, crops, yes, but they were minimal because of the very turbulence and in, in the weather that we would have had to deal with. But uh, more so, the potatoes and 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 the beef cattle yeah. was was a big thing. But yeah, we were all into rugby, and okay. uh, you know, I bemoaned the fact that I couldn't go to you know rugby matches, and I can't ever remember. You know, I probably didn't become interested in Gaelic until my son started playing Gaelic. Yeah, isn't, uh, that, Gaelic. isn't, that, isn't yeah. that? I find that interesting. Uh, uh, Peter, you're originally from County Leitrim, of course. Uh, isn't that right? Yeah. South okay. Leitrim, I think, isn't it? Pardon? Are you from uh, South Leitrim? Yeah, uh, yeah near S- uh, South Riley, near, yeah. not far from Ballinamore. Do, do you like all types of sport, Peter? You I, I do now, yeah. but I certainly didn't grow up with uh, with, with rugby, you know. Yeah. And, of course, we didn't have television at that time either, so we couldn't watch it on anything else. So it it was all Gaelic, really, around yeah. around me. Uh, there was no hurling either. Leitrim has... has Started hurling in the last number of decades, but uh, not not exactly doing great at it. Not doing well at football either, for that matter. But uh, it was all football, and but the parish football was the was the one. You know, yeah, your, your local team. Yeah. Uh, Riley was my local team. You followed them, you know, and uh, it was uh, that's that that was the centre of the social life of the parish, really. You know, and uh, everybody gathered around and went to the matches on a Sunday and uh, cycled and carried other people on the crossbar and all that sort of stuff so it was all uh, it was all uh, uh, Gaelic football but, yeah, I think maybe possibly part of the reason that we were into it was because uh, the first television came to our house in 1958 which was well before well, a lot of other tellies weren't you to have a television in 1958 most of all of the neighbours would have come in to have watched the major boxing matches yeah um, they would have come in to have watched Mam did like me hello hair God rest him and his commentary but I think it was more for the commentary and she particularly liked the hurley because she always mentioned that it was a skilled game yeah <laughs> she never really would have had much interest in, in, in the Gaelic but you know I, I think it was because the, the channels that you had at the time were basically BBC BBC One, yeah, of course, and, because and of where RTE, you were living, yeah, and it yeah. was only in later years that we got uh, UTV as it was. Yeah. Um, you know, we would have had Channel Four, and then I came to Sligo forty years ago. Actually, this year I'm in Sligo since 1983, and I was stunned that when I came to Sligo, the only two channels that they had was RT One and RT Two, unless they had what was referred to, I think, as cable TV at yeah. the time, uh, and they would have had additional channels. So, like, we would have been open you know, exposed to maybe and match of the day was always watched, of course, with uh, Jimmy Hill on on a Saturday night. So uh, there was a huge, I suppose, influence from uh, no more than the same influence is there now with social media on younger yeah. people. So when you have that influence in a house and you have the access to the machinery that can create it, 
of course you're going to you know come out one way or the other 